Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. And he's risen. Yeah. Why did he rise? His death couldn't hold him. I like that. Yeah. Because he loves us. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we say, I think just in church and just throughout life, oftentimes we embrace certain things that we do, ritual and say things, and we never really think about the magnitude of what we're saying. Um, so, I mean, the big picture, obviously, is Jesus, Ephesians 1 says that Jesus, he rose from the dead, he defeated dead, and from the death, uh, conquered death. Uh, because he came to save us and to save the world and to unite everything in heaven and on earth together because God wants us all to be together. He wants a renewed heaven and earth. Um, That's kind of the big picture. And that's the whole context of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation where we see God renewing things and making all things right, right? Um, So that God can commune with his people again. But I want to uh, just leave you with one thing we're going to drill into this morning. It's up on the screen. Is He rose from the dead so that we all could have a place at his table waiting for us. So I want that to sink in very personally, but also corporately as the family of God. He is risen. Because of that, every one of us has a ta- place at the table of God waiting for us. The question is, have we accepted that invitation? And the second question is, maybe we accepted it somewhere along the line, but have we accepted it, but then moved back from communion with the body of Christ and not grown in communion, right? Um, So we're going to drill in on that this morning. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you, Lord, for this, uh, gosh, this Sunday where we specifically remember, Lord, what you've done. And Father, I always think that if, if you've conquered death, you've conquered the power of sin, all things are possible. You're the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Lord, we want to exalt you. When God's people gather together, Lord, at the center of that is we are to testify, prophesy your glorious name, give testimony of your glory, to lift your name up, Lord. I love what Spurgeon said. He says, we shouldn't have to defend the Bible. It's a lion. It just needs to be lit out. And so Holy Spirit, I pray you'll come now, release the lion with a roar, Lord. Let your word, the power of your truth, as it exalts Jesus, the Son of God, let it go and do its work. It will not return void. Father, I pray you'll give us ears to hear. Lord, soften our hard hearts. Move us deeply, Lord like only your spirit can do. And awaken us to your glory, Jesus, and also to the glory of being a part of the family of God, Lord, of your church, the body of Christ. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, It is a very big thing for us to invite someone to our dinner table. It's a big deal. Do you regularly invite people to your dinner table for fellowship around the table? It's a big, big deal. Um, All throughout history, 
So I'm going to do a big thing here. I, I, I don't have time to go into the details of this, but I just challenge you. All throughout history, every culture throughout time, the centrality of the family table is what holds society together. It's what makes a healthy family. Um, did you, uh, when you were growing up, did you have a special place, seat at the table when you were growing up? That was your chair? Everybody? Yeah? You know, the sad thing is, is that today the family table's almost a bygone, forgotten. What families eat together? Dinner. Have fellowship around the table. Um, so I want this stuff to sink in because I want us to restore something and think about something here, the power of something. It is the dinner table, folks, historically, throughout the Bible, throughout history. It is the place where we receive all of the powerful things we need to receive as a person, belonging, loving, affirming, that I have a place, I have a purpose. It is where we get affirmed by father, mother, by siblings. It is where we um, become a strong, healthy person. When that is tore down, right, and fractured, is what happens is we become just a bunch of independent people. And uh, here's the reality of it is we live in a society, folks, social media has done more to destroy the real reality of what community and family is about than probably anything in the history of the world. Um, what our culture is saying is that it's more important for you to be an individual, for me to be an individual, than for my connections with family or with church. Um, it's torn down this idea of, of just community, right? Um, look at this quote by Joseph Hellman. He says, Our culture has powerfully socialized us to believe that personal happiness and fulfillment should take precedence over the connections we have with others in both our families and our churches. Is that true or what? Parents, do you realize that your children are being hammered relentlessly with a subtle, powerful message that more important than your family table and your family health and connection is peer connections and their independence as a person. Every bit of culture, education right now in our culture right now is preaching that issue. Clearly across the board. And we know, right? We know and many of us know and can give testimonies of the brokenness of what happens when the family table is fractured and when the family is fractured, right? Now the good news here, gang, I I just want to, before we get too far, I just, I got to say, I got to lift up the, the glory of Christ, what he's done, what he came to do. No matter how fractured your home is, no matter if you never had a special place at a table, no matter how independent you've gotten, no matter where you are or what you've done, because he is risen, you have a special place waiting for you at the table of God for all eternity. You just have to receive that invitation by grace, by faith, right? And enter into a whole new um, family right experience. So, um, this morning we're going to be in Revelation chapter 19, special verses 6 through 10. This is the marriage supper of the land. I'm going to give you the rest of the story. 
Many of you heard about Passover. Go back to the Old Testament, the very beginning. And uh, God called his people together. He called them out of Egypt as a picture of, of salvation. What he's going to do in the end even of saving his people, making things right. And uh, he instituted Passover, which is this meal um, that God's people would come together and to sacrifice a lamb, put the blood above the door, right? That is the picture of their covering of sin and to the sacrificial lamb. We, we go all the way. There's much we could break down here to the New Testament. And when Jesus was walking on the earth, John the Baptist called up, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came. To fulfill for once and for all what no sacrifice, no religion, no ritual could ever do to make a place, a real place for each of us at the table, the communion table with God um, and to celebrate there. Uh, so I, let me just read this passage. The rest of the story, oftentimes, and I'm willing to bet that as we all grew up taking communion, the communion was, uh, it was just more of a ritual. It's just we get the body as his, but you know, his sacrifice is death for the forgiveness of our sins. But, but did you ever lay hold of when you come to the table that this is the beginning? This is a remembrance. This is also a, an awakening to what we are to expect. And this is what we're about to read, which is the marriage supper of the Lamb. There is an intimacy, fo- folks, greater than table fellowship with God. And that intimacy is the marriage supper of the Lamb itself. Um, this is Revelation. So John received this from the Lord, and he wrote it and gave it to the church. Verse 6. And then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roaring of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. An angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, whoa, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Folks, do you realize all the way back to the beginning, this very core, the family dinner table, right? That is the source and the the sure foundation of a healthy society, a healthy community. Never in the history of the world do you have a broken family table, a broken family, uh, um, redefined family where you have a healthy society. It's nowhere. It doesn't exist. Because God had a very clear plan in the very beginning. And he tells us in the New Testament, connected to the Old Testament, right? Is that husband and wife, they come together. And that this is to be a picture of God's relationship with his church. And Jesus is the bridegroom. And all through the scripture, we see God treating his people as the bride. Readying themselves for this most intimate. Because we know there's not marriage in heaven. There's something greater. It's intimacy around the table. The family table. With our very creator. Um, And this is called the marriage supper of the lamb. That is what this is to point us towards. And this is why we began this service with come Lord Jesus. Lord you're glorious. And you're mighty. And um, again here let me just say. if, If you're feeling 
struggle with this idea of a family table, let me just say, this is the power of the gospel. The grace and love of God, no matter how broken or or far away people are, the gospel puts out that invitation to come and sit at the table, restore all of that brokenness. That's God's promise, right? And a picture of that is to happen, right? As, As we, as God's people, right, gather together. So let me just dive in a little bit for us this morning and uh, talk um, about, well, let me mention this. Luke 22, we could go through all the gospels. Remember when Jesus at Passover and at the end of this, this is a profound thing. He says in Luke, he says, you know, I, I've earnestly told the disciples, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover, the last supper as such, right, with you before I suffer, before he goes to the cross. For I tell you, I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And Matthew says, I will not drink the wine again until I drink it with you in the kingdom. And the marriage supper of the Lamb, folks, is going to be the greatest celebration, the greatest feast that the universe has ever experienced. Because he is risen, everyone has you have a place waiting for you at the table. Are you going to receive that invitation by faith and step into it, right? So the bread, let's talk about this. Um, Because oftentimes I think we just end the discussion, right? When we we, we take the bread and and, uh, we come to communion, we've heard Jesus the story's broken, it's, it's his body, take and eat. We're to live on the bread of life. We're to sustain ourselves with God's provision and promise, yes. And uh, when, when Jesus says, this is my body, there's something else going on there because 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And in that same chapter, it tells us that when you receive that invitation to come to the table, to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, it says you've been baptized into the body of Christ, into a whole new family, into the one family, the bride of Christ. It's a whole new identity. And this idea of you've been baptized, in other words, when we receive Jesus, this is wild language of, of a whole new life, a washing of an old life, of the fractured and unfulfilled life, and embracing the life that God has for us for all eternity in a whole new family. That's our identity. And, and folks, again, I just want to say, in our American context, we have so individualized the gospel, we've missed the gut power of it. He didn't just save you, and it just it wasn't about you. Is about saving you and putting you and me into a family. The family of God for all eternity that's going to fellowship around the table with Jesus. In the new heavens and new earth that he's going to restore in this place right here. Um, that's our identity. And then we have the wine. And folks, we've heard, you know, Jesus raised the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant taken and drink of this for the forgiveness of your sins. And, and I think we all get that part. His shed blood, you know, represents the, the lambs, the one and final sacrifice. No other sacrifice, no other works can we do to receive the glory, right, of salvation. Is, again, it comes by faith. It comes by receiving it, right, freely from us. Righteousness. How can I possibly sit at the table with purity and holiness? With, how can I sit at that table with God? 
How's that even possible with all my doubts and fears and sin and mess and junk? How, How can I do that? Because he's cleansed me. He's cleansed you. He's put his, uh, Isaiah 61 says, he has robed you with his righteousness. Not yours, not mine. He's put the robe of righteousness around you. He has made you, has made me adequate for the table, right? For that fellowship time, right? And folks, the wedding clothes, just to drill in into um, Revelation 19, it says the bride has made herself ready. Um, and it was granted her to be clothed with these clothes of righteousness that God has imparted. Now you go to Matthew 22 and Jesus tells this parable, the wedding feast, right? And one thing's for sure, there's no wedding crashers in the wedding supper of the Lamb. There has to be an invitation. You can't create your own invitation. You can't sneak in. And Jesus tells a parable of a guy that got in without his proper clothes. He was kicked out. What's the point of that? Is this right here is nobody can come to the table with any kind of religion, any kind of self-righteousness, any kind of, well, but God, I'm, I'm real. I've been a good person. Look how I live. Look, you know, you have no, we have nothing we can bring to the table. We simply have to, bless the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of God. Lord, I need you. I need you to, I need to receive your forgiveness and your grace is the only access to the table. He's the one that robes us. He's the one that prepares us, right, for that experience. And that's, when we think about the wine, it's a whole new deal, not just our forgiveness. But he's changed you. He's changed me. He's fundamentally looks at us completely different. We are now adequate to sit at the table with God for all eternity, folks, right, for all eternity, and so just a couple things about just table fellowship as, as we kind of branch off communion, as we come together as a church body and, and partake, um, the first thing to think about is, folks, we prepare for what we look forward to. We prepare for what we look forward to. So the question is, what are we looking forward to? The reason why communion and gathering together as a body is so important is because we have to help encourage each other to remember and to set our, what Jesus has done, but also to encourage each other forward to what I'm truly looking forward to. And as we read here in Matthew, uh, or Revelation 19 is, man, is that what we're looking forward to? Are we looking forward to meeting our Lord? All through this book, all through the New Testament, you know, it's written that um, where the, the body is to constantly be growing in our appetite of come, Lord Jesus, come. That's what we're looking forward to. And when it says here that the bride has made herself ready. In other words, the bride received that invitation that can't do anything for it. But now the bride's at the table. And once you're at the table, now we're responsible to grow our communion with God and to prepare ourselves to be his bride, to be his body, his church, family, to be people who are longing to be with our Lord and to carry out the commandments and the mission, right, that God has has given us um, to prepare ourselves. So we prepare ourselves for what we are looking forward to. 
Um, but there's another important piece that we, to look at here. We can never, we should never, though we often do, confuse the invitation with the communion itself. Right? This is really important. Right? We can't confuse the invitation and the communion. Right? These two go together, but they're radically separate. The invitation Right? It, it goes out. This is the gospel blessed news that, that goes out, right? That, that all of us have to receive. And I have to, at some point in my life, receive that invitation and receive Jesus. No religion is required. Matter of fact, nothing, as we said, is going to be able to put me into a place where I can boast before God of anything. Now, that cannot be confused with the communion itself, where it says the bride prepares herself, right? The bride prepares herself. In other words, once I've received the grace of God, now I'm responsible, right, with the church, right, to prepare, right, to to, to take hold of that blessing and and what God has for me and to grow in communion, intimacy, dependence with God, to know Him better, right? And those two cannot be confused. It's not the same thing, right? Um, They feed on one another as far as what salvation is. Folks, the gospel. This is just a simple definition. It's the greatest invitation ever. There's no greater invitation you will ever receive in all of the world. If someone in here has been invited to the White House, it's Aspen, never know. It's nothing. It's nothing compared to be invited to the table, the eternal table of the king of the universe, the savior of the world, Jesus. Right? And not only that, but it's also the greatest invitation we could ever offer anybody. And that is the role of the church. That is the role of God's people. Is It's not to hammer people with the, the truth or anything. It is to make a loving plea, an invite to the table. Look, God wants you at his table. Please come with me. And so here's the connection with the community table. God's people come. We remember what Jesus did. We, and Romans, or, uh, 1 Corinthians 11 talks about um, uh, uh, heeding the body before we come to that table. And we get unity and we worship and we put Jesus at the middle. But then as we go out, right, we are to let that form our dinner table. It is to form and and speak into the gathering right around our our family table as we come together. As we talked about, just, I don't have to tell a parent, I don't have to tell any of you, how hard is it to gather today as a family regularly around the dinner table? Every one of us would say, well, it's just too busy. We just can't do it. And I just want to elevate folks. Do you realize what we're sacrificing? When we sacrifice that. It was a full-on battle with our children at different times. We had a big table. We have a very empty table right now, which we got plenty of spaces to invite people into. But it was a busy table at once. And there was constant battle of not wanting. Now, I just ask you, why would a child push back and not want to gather in their special place around the family table? Why would they not? Because folks, profoundly at the core of that is the war for every person's soul 
The enemy out there is saying, I have a different destiny for you. I have independence out here. It's going to be better if you make your own decisions and you go with your peers and you go do your own thing rather than be an intimate, faithful part of your family. Folks, let me tell you, at the core of most temptation that comes, and the lie is you're going to be more affirmed out there as an independent with your peers and everything, every bit of social media is built on this principle. Do you know that? There's nothing within what's happening in our culture that upholds the value, the power of the family table. And so we, had to, we just had to do warfare, right? In, in the sense of just tell our kids, and it comes down to this. It's like you're a Woodrow. You're in this family. And if you're a Woodrow, you've got a place at the table, and there is no exception to anything that takes a precedent over that. But here's the next thing. It's still a battle. The next thing is not just that, but we have to, the communion tells us that not only do I have a family table where there is love, there's identity, there's purpose, there's a place, there's belonging, everything every single one of us needs. Uh, I've said it before, there's only one reason why bars exist. It's because those people sitting at the bar don't have a better offer to come and fellowship at a table in a home where they belong, where they are loved, and they can be themselves. They're looking deeply for all those things, right? So the mission of the church is, guess what? Open up our tables. It starts there. It is a big deal to invite someone to your dinner table. Uh, And again, maybe you've heard it before, but I'm telling you, if you, uh, if you're hiring somebody, If you really want the best interview you can do is you invite them or you invite yourself to their table. You're going to get more information about who that person is, what their family structure is like than anything they could fill out or anything else. You invite yourself to dinner with their family, right? It's so core to who we are, right? But so not only do we have to restore this idea of formulating our our family table, but we also have to go to the next level and say, listen, it's not just here, but God has called us into being a part of a larger family. It just doesn't stop there. Is that is this is who we are, and and if we know Jesus, that He has baptized us, He has put us into a larger family. It's called the family of God, the body of Christ. It's called the church, and we are to be an intimate part of that. And the table we gather around is the communion table. It's the table of God. It's the table that is to lead us right to the marriage supper of the Lamb one day, right? And um, and folks, I, I, I just, with all that's in me is, is, boy, we need to pray, don't we? All of us struggle with these things. But I just give these things to you to, to think about deeply in the sense of the profound nature of why did Jesus, all of his most powerful things around the table, the fellowship table. We have to restore that in our homes and as a church, Right? And again, folks, one of the most powerful things you can do is invite someone to your table. Invite them in. Love on them. Feast together. Break open the wine together. And get to know each other. It's the primary way, actually, of relationships. 
And we wonder why people are struggling so with relationship today. All right, we could go on and on down this stream, couldn't we? So in conclusion, um, I, um, I've told this story before. Um, when I was uh, in college, uh, a buddy and, my, uh, and I, we traveled throughout Europe. And uh, we, the dollar was really great, so we <laughs> overextended our stay, and we had to get back to London to fly out. And, and uh, we're in a hurry and frantic, and we're in the train station in, in, in uh, London. And uh, back in that day, there was no cell phones. Um, kids, there was a thing called a, a payphone. It's this big thing that sits on the wall. It's really a pain. And anyway, so I'm on this payphone, and um, another guy is, is on one next to us. And, and we're, you know, me and my buddy, we're, we're trying to get our, our flights figured out. And uh, we're, when we're done, this guy who's a business guy next door, he, um, he talked to us, hey, you guys on Continental, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and um, he said, you guys flying back to the States. I said, yeah. And so he just took out this little pad of paper. Uh, again, there was no, you know, texting back and forth and, and a pen. And he wrote, um, hey, uh, I can't remember. I think it was like, take care of these guys. And it was on Continental um, letterhead. I couldn't understand his signature. Just a little square piece of paper. He says, take this, give this to them when you check in. And I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. And we were all dirty and we've been stinky and traveling. And <clears throat> I shoved it in my pocket. So we went off to the airport and uh, me and my buddy are sitting there. We checked in and we're, and he goes, hey, what about that, that node? And, <clears throat> and uh, you know, I pulled it out. It's all crumpled up. And I'm like, ah, I mean, you know, we felt embarrassed. Like, what are we going to do? We're going to say, hey, you know, what do, we, here, what do we do with this? You know, somebody gave us this, you know. And um, so we're sitting there and, uh, and we almost blew it off. And my buddy... Um, Tark is his name, and he said, man, you might as well just go, to, you know, of course, he's putting it on me. I was like, why don't you do it? And, um, and so I did. I, I took it out, and I just kind of sucked it up. I'm like kind of sheepishly, this little college kid all dirty, and hey, um, you know, somebody gave this to us in the train station, couldn't read his signature, and, and um, I think it was Bill, something, whatever. Gave it to him, and she kind of crumpled it and looked at it, looked at me, and, and, uh, and then she goes, okay. She folded it up, and she said, we'll let you know. And I'm like, what? And um, anyway, we got on the plane, didn't think anything of it. Of course, our, our seat's way back in the back, and um, <clears throat> everybody's on. Everybody's seated, and then um, it was awesome. See these two, they were called stewardesses back then, flight attendants. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, down memory lane here. And they come down the, um, the aisle and they stop and they look at me and my buddy and they say, gentlemen, your seats are ready. And uh, we're like, what? Of course, everybody's looking at us, you know, and, and they march us from the back of the plane to the front of the plane into first class. And um, we didn't sleep at all. We took full advantage of everything, kept those <laughs> flight attendants going, but they loved it. They were just, they were going along with it. And, um, folks, what if I didn't, what if I didn't take that invitation and take the faith and give that note to the check-in counter, right? Yeah. And folks, that's just a first-class flight. The invitation that Jesus is offering, because he's risen, there's a place waiting for you at the table of God for eternity. Um, what are you going to do with that? 
What are you going to do with that? So, Father, we just we come to you. And, um, Lord, we... Um, Lord, I'm overwhelmed by just remembering that story, Lord, and just um, remembering, Lord, when you saved me. Man. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just pray if there's someone here watching online and they haven't acted on that invitation for the first time, Lord, may they by faith with their heart just, yes, Jesus. Yes, I receive that. Let me come sit at your table. Lord, I also, I pray for those of us who've received that invitation long ago, but Lord, we, um, we haven't been at the table. We bought the lie that we can be off on our own. Lord, you gave us the invitation to stay at the table, to stay with the body of Christ, to stay intimately involved with your people. Lord, convict us. Move us, shake us, God. You're glorious. Jesus, you're, man, Lord, overwhelm the unbelief, Lord, that we wrestle with. Oh, it's better than we could ever, ever imagine. Your love, Lord, is vast. And Father, finally, I just want to pray for the family table because I know there's brokenness and there's pain. And there are some people in here who never had a place to belong at the table. And Lord, this is why you came. To give them a place for all eternity. And Lord, that's what the church is to provide here until we, until that marriage supper comes. Let's be faithful, Lord. Come Holy Spirit. Check us up. Let us remember and rejoice in your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.